0: Bad
1: and bo- Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Erica. And I'm back.
0: Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, everybody. We saw David yes, last night, and he's looking dreamy.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, my
1: God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my eyes are that, up here
0: he has this dreamy 6'1 height we thought he was 5'11 but no
1: yes. erica i don't like the the girls already are <laughs> thirst trapped like drooling over david anyway we don't need to like add to their thirst
2: have i got have i got 5'11 energy no
1: <laughs> No, I
2: just the best, the last wait,
0: time wait, wait. No, no no wait wait wait. What is five eleven energy? Well, I, I don't
2: know. Like I get like five eleven, it's not like short guy energy, but it's like just pretty tall, but not tall guy energy, you know what I mean? No, like,
0: it's like it's it is it's the energy of inadequacy because you're not six.
2: Yeah, but I but also like I that I never had that kind of inadequacy energy because because you're six um, I don't 1. no because I don't care.
0: Because <laughs> you're six mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. it's easy not to care when you're six one.
2: Well, you, do you ever watch Community? Of course. You know there's no. an episode with um, with Britta's ex boyfriend who works at a carnival, and they can't find out what you figure out why he's so attractive to people. And it turns out it's because he just doesn't care, but anything's got no shame. And it turns out that is because spoiler because he has like a brain injury, but mm-hmm. the joke is that he just he's attracted because he doesn't care about anything that gives you a certain confidence and it's not a, a game. It's not, it's not a bit. It's just like, I see what you're like, saying. Uh, like I, I got other things to do. I don't You don't wonder. have the chip on
1: your shoulder, which a lot, a no. lot of millennials and a lot of hipsters have.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Okay. Yeah.
2: I don't. Yeah. You don't. I don't care. I know, we we know, we know. And I'm not like competitive and stuff. And so you know how Canadian media is is deeply competitive and cliquey and like bitchy, but not in the good bad uh, bitchy sense. Um,
0: I know nothing about that. No,
2: <laughs> I just I try to boost everyone. I, you know, Canadian I media
0: yeah. is basically high school.
2: Yeah, but I, like, I don't I, care about that. I don't yeah. want to go to their parties. I don't want to be included, but I am happy to boost and support my friends because they're doing great stuff, but I don't feel the, any competition with them. And so that's, you know, all, by, that's all the way of saying six, one is just icing on the cookie, you know?
0: Well, is not like the whole idea of this competitive nature, just like hollowing us out from the inside? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I hate, I I was never like competitive. You know what I mean? I was more about like, oh, I, first of all, I have the curiosity of a child. I still do, okay? Mm-hmm. I I was watching a Netflix show, fauna and they were talking about, I think, Golan Heights. And then I'm like, ooh, mountains. And then two hours later, I stopped the show. Two hours later, I ended up learning about tectonic plates. Anyway, relearning. Anyway, all this to say that for me, it was always about, oh, am I better? I like, have I grown? Have I improved? Have I progressed? Yeah. That's more my thing. But this whole idea of competition is anti-community.
2: You're your own competition. Like you're evaluating yourself against Yeah, I'm
0: evaluating for sure, but not, I don't want to turn on myself either.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 a competitive standard. I use other people as as benchmarks occasionally because that's just you know trying to understand what the lay of the land is, but yeah, not in a yeah. competitive sense. That's a different thing. I'm competing with myself to be better than I was the day before. Uh, good news, you win either way. But yeah. it's it's <laughs> <laughs> you know some iteration of you wins, but it it does mean you end up playing nicer with others, which not everyone in Canadian media does.
0: I feel like some in Canadian media would put me in that category and then others
2: wouldn't. And I but feel like a, that's there's a win. There's a, difference. There's a, a win. difference. there's a difference though, between saying, Oh, certain people should be exempt from that privilege because they're shit, which I agree with. Yeah. And then saying, that's Oh, I'm not going to play thing. well with anybody because everyone's my competition. I mean, you're, you're yeah. the former, not the latter, which is a whole Thank different you, thing. David. Yes. yes. I can, that's yes, how I can be complimentary. So can I. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Which yeah. is, you know, yeah. so there you go, yay! <laughs> all Look right, you, you two. All right, okay. Anyway,
1: okay, so, this, uh, all this, all these feelings are making me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah we know. <laughs> <laughs> so David is here to talk about the Ottawa election that happened last week, and of course the other municipal elections that took place across Ontario. But first, some housekeeping. It is Scorpio season and you are listening to this the day before Erica's birthday. Woo! So become a paid subscriber at badandbitchy.com because that's all Erica wants for her birthday. And if you already have one, then consider gifting a subscription to someone. And then our pal David here just launched a Substack.
2: I did indeed. I, and you know what, let me tell you, I wasn't sure what to expect and it's been going extraordinarily well. And it's, it's really interesting because I was hesitant to do it because I don't want to fill a space unless there's a good reason to fill it. And I ultimately decided that there was, and it, it is mine and it's animating me in a way that I hadn't felt uh, driven in, in some time. So it's actually been a lot of fun. And the first post is up is an old piece that I've recycled and updated, but the next one's coming up uh, about co-leadership. Which I'm very excited to write about. It's a really interesting topic. And I'm working on a new podcast segment for it, the sort of monthly interlude on uh, how people work, because I'm deeply fascinated by how people work. And so there's going to be a a monthly podcast offering on that. And hundreds of people signed up already. And it's going really well.
1: Wow. I love that for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrats, David. Thank you. All right. So, like I said, Ontario just had its municipal elections. And while there were some surprises, there were also some not so surprises. So first we're gonna talk about what happened in here in Ottawa, and then we're gonna zoom out a little bit and go to the rest of the province. But basically here in Ottawa, a liberal conservative campaign coalition powered political newbie Mark Sutcliffe into the mayor's chair. The broadcaster and entrepreneur won decisively with 51.4% of the vote, with Catherine McKenney, a two-term councillor who championed downtown residents during the raucous wintertime convoy occupation, but failed to gain major appeal outside of the core, finished second with 37.9%, and the official turnout in the city fell just shy of 44%. I think what we saw on election night was there were a whole bunch of New councillors, I think there's 11 new councillors because a bunch of councillors from this council were not seeking re-election. And then there was the creation of a new ward. And I haven't seen the statistics on this, but it looks like there were a lot of women elected to these seats. But uh, I would say my view is the whitest council that we've had since I've lived here. And uh, also the uh, the straightest, the straightest council. I think. So I guess, you know, there was a lot of people on Twitter, which is where we get most of our news and probably bad for that, who were saying, well, a Don't act like things. we don't read. No, but like, a lot, a lot of people were, you know, shocked at the 44% turnout across the city, while others, including... <laughs> Capital ward candidate rebecca bromwich saying wow we beat all the other cities in turnout and listen no
0: no oh my god
1: that ain't it rebecca someone bromwich. also mentioned on election night that wow we got so many women on council and i said yeah but one not all of them are progressive and two uh they're all white so so white women won white women won where's hillary clinton when you need her being white. <laughs> but, but David, you had some interesting insights on Twitter about the the turnout and the low number.
2: Yeah, I mean, low being a comparative assessment. I mean, Ottawa sort of hit what you might expect from Ottawa. It's similar to the last go round. And as lots of people said, you know, higher than, than most places and high for a municipality, which is still very low. Incidentally, you know, higher than Ontario's turnout in the provincial election last, um, oh, my God, it feels like forever now (laughs) in the fall. So, you know, so it was was simultaneously high and low, but on balance, it was low. Some places were something like 25%. I think London was somewhere in in the range of 25%, something like that. Uh, Toronto was quite low, right? What was Toronto? 29, 30%, something like that. Whatever it is, the answer is low, low across the board. And it's a paradox because uh, you know, municipal campaigns are the closest campaigns you're going to have in this country. They they happen in your community, something you can attach to directly. At the provincial level, you start to get, well, you know, it's a little bit out there. What does it mean to be a part of a province? What does it mean to be an Ontarian? At the national level, what does it mean to be a Canadian? What, you know, what is the Canada country? So on and so forth. It's all the way in Ottawa. But your municipality is your home. It's where the rubber hits the road, quite literally, you know, so far as cities, um, you know, have a lot to do with streets and recreation, communities, parks, garbage collection, property taxes, cycling infrastructure, all kinds of things, climate readiness. And you'd expect that people would be more engaged. Police. And police. Oh, my God. Yeah, police. And yet they're not. So it's a, it's a bit paradoxical and deeply problematic as you end up with councils that are elected to say, you know, with a, with a plurality of the voting mayors, and what's what, 10, 15% of the voting population might be returning them. And some people say, well, you know, if everyone turned out, it would be the same thing, but just higher vote to, with higher vote count. But I don't believe that. I believe there's a structural division of turnout and not turnout. I and mean, if everybody turned out, there'd be a decent likelihood, at least in some jurisdictions, that you'd actually get different results. So it wouldn't just be a wash. What and are those? Some,
0: what are some of those structural issues, David? Well,
2: I mean, depends on what you're talking about. I mean, there are things like barriers to access. So, Second, yeah.
0: So, that's I, I just want to get deeper into into the structural part. Yeah, because I don't think that people understand that structural part. Hundred percent. And media doesn't talk about it at all, except first past the post. And yeah. That's not sufficient enough to really talk about the way structures are erected to keep people out, deny access. So, for example, one of the structural issues would be how far your, your election station or voting station. Uh, yeah, voting place.
2: Yeah, I think it's called yeah. voting place basically in
0: here. Yeah, and um, how far that is, how accessible that is. Uh, it becomes le- less and less accessible the further out you go from um, a city center. Mm-hmm. So, and if you think about who can afford to live in those places, they're usually cheaper. Although nowadays, I'm sure there's really not much difference, requires a car, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the issues that those people may be paying attention to might be a bit different from those in the center, but also their ability to access a voting station becomes also an issue. Mm-hmm. That's one of the structural issues, for example.
2: Huge, I mean, like you know, barriers to voting is is the sort of first thing, right? And who's got you know who have fixed addresses, who doesn't? Who knows the election's happening because it's part of their day to day life? Who doesn't? Um, you know, who are campaigns reaching out to, and what in postal codes? Right? Who's a likely voter? Who are they hitting hard? Who aren't they? Who are they ignoring? So there's all those structural issues. And then there's, of course, some people just don't care, but then there's the question of, okay, who's being spoken to, whose issues are on the agenda, who Absolutely. sees themselves represented in the races and in the candidates who are inspired by these folks. You know, that's that's a, a significant barrier too. So there's, there's structural barriers proper, like actual things that get in the way of voting. And then there are kind of uh, substantive issue-based and campaign-based barriers too. And it drives people away and alienates them. And I, you know, we spend years in, a, in our democracy, municipally, provincially, federally, asking nothing, expecting nothing. And in fact, accepting almost nothing from voters. And politicians just want to be left alone. And when you try to engage with them as a citizen, you're sort of met with resistance or you're dismissed or you're kind of given a form letter or whatever. And then we say we're kind of like, election day comes up like, why does everybody stay home? It's like I don't know you, motherfucker. (laughs) I haven't met you. You haven't called me. You know, it's like you imagine a friend who calls you uh, four years. It's been four years since you spoke. They're like, I really need your help.
1: I need your money. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And your money. Yeah, exactly. When, like, exactly. Like, where have you been for the last four years? I'm not going to come and help you because, you know, all of a sudden you need me. And then you say, well, no, it's in your best interest. I'm like, OK, well, you know, you know, given your track record, I actually don't think it is in my best interest to help you. <laughs> you know, And so people are, are deeply cynical or in the case of Ottawa, say you're progressive in Ottawa uh, you want to see something different in one of the city, you know, the, the country's, um, you know, least dense, sprawling, ridiculously amalgamated cities. Uh, and you're like, well, the suburbs are just going to pick the status quo car candidate again. Why the fuck should I bother?
0: Right. And, and right. You get,
2: well, effectively what we got. And so people get alienated. The line I use, I use all the time is I've never met an apathetic person in my life. Um, I've met lots of alienated people, though. And there's a real difference there. If you come to someone and say, you know, do you care about politics? They might say, no. Do you want to, you know, take part? No. Uh, are you interested in that? No. Okay, fine. Do you care about education, taxes, roads, bikes, the military, police, uh, social justice, uh, you know, uh, welfare programs? Uh, they sort of say, yeah, of course I care about that. <laughs> you know, you know uh, do you care housing, about health care? Health care? Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah. yeah well, I mean, you know, well, climb well, Yeah, I care about right. that.
1: So like exactly. oh so you aren't
2: apathetic at all. You do care, but you're alienated because the system alienates you, you know, 99.9 days out of 100. And then on that one day where they seem to want you to, to show up in, again, a very limited way. And you say, well, I don't, I, I can't bother because... I don't care, and I am not see myself represented here. Then they turn around and say, "Oh, you know, if the problem is you, I'm like, nah, I don't think so."
1: This is this is the problem with the gutting of local media, right? Like, when we don't have local media reporting deeply on issues important to municipal voters or residents, then they don't really engage in the same way. Like, I think mm-hmm. that you know, for the likes of us who are on Twitter and following the you know, weekly or biweekly meetings of council, of the planning committee, of all of these things, then it's easy to get upset when they want to have, you know, give a Porsche dealership a $3 million tax break, which when I told friends in Vancouver that that was a thing, they were shocked if that would even pass. I, like, mm-hmm. I mean, naturally, of course. Like Ottawa is very lucky in that we have, do have some very good municipal reporters, but unless you're really paying attention and not just looking at the headlines and seeing, following the, the, oh, the spending on the military, the whatever of COVID and all of these things and like looking down below the fold, you know, metaphorically speaking, then a lot of these things are getting passed over. And so it's hard to make people care even in that sense.
2: Mhm-hmm, yeah, the, the you know it's funny is the line I kind of use, I'm gonna adapt it a little bit, but I use this in my book is, and when it's sometimes I'm doing talks, like imagine that, that folks ask you to step up to the plate and to hit a fastball and they give you absolutely zero opportunity to practice hitting fastballs in your day-to-day life for the months and years preceding that. and then you swing and you miss and you're like, oh, well, you suck.' <laughs> like, well, of course I can't hit a fastball. I haven't been trained to hit a fastball. I haven't prepared to hit a fastball. It's not exactly you know, as easy as you might think it is to hit a fastball. Um, and so of course I'm going to swing and I'm going to miss. And it, you know, we don't create citizens. We don't train citizens. We don't build citizens up. And in fact, not even that, we actually actively resist that. And yeah. then, of course, people sh- don't show up because, our you know, we have told is, them not to.
1: <laughs> our political culture in Canada vis-a-vis the U.S. is night and
2: day. Yeah. Yeah. And day. The, organi- the organizing culture, particularly, right? like they're just.
1: Thank should, you. They're, there are, there are great you. organizers
2: here, but it's not.
0: Thank you. The organizing culture here is it's splintered. It's siloed. And it's it's very, very local. It's, and people doing it on a shoestring.
1: And Erica, this is kind of what we were talking about last week with Mo when we were talking about Kennedy Stewart in Vancouver and even the BC NDP party just like letting all of these memberships lapse and all of these things, like not maintaining engagement with these people and giving them a compelling reason to continue mm-hmm. to renew their membership.
0: Well, and this is what I told... A lot of progressive people at Sean Menard's party, election party was, you know, a lot of people, everybody was disappointed. I was disappointed that Catherine didn't win and, you know, lost by a larger margin than we thought. I get it. People are dejected. Got it. Fine. Take a few days, take a week, take a couple of weeks, lick your wounds. And then now the real work starts. And the real work comes in that form of organizing, in that form mm-hmm. of capacity building, mm-hmm. in that form of outreach. And not enough of that is being done, I think.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we and that was talk- Catherine's mission, by, by the way. I was, I was at the McKinney HQ that night and that was their message. I'd never seen such a hopeful, energetic, and I, I hesitate to use the word classy because it's it's often kind of like, it's overused or it's taken sarcastically or so on and so forth but it truly was like a class act speech alongside being really hopeful Mm -hmm. containing calls to action really gracious and funny and you know i've i i do not think mckinney is done and whatever they i don't know what they'll do next but i don't think they're done but also i looked at that speech was like that's a great way to lose the day but not the not the war, lose, right?
0: Okay, like, and this is what I find, especially with white progressives, is that they lose something like this and everything is gone. Everything is, is, is destructive. You know, <laughs> everything it's, is bad. It's,
1: yeah, she's an and, I'm like, to not stay engaged.
0: Exactly. It's, an, you're right. It's an excuse to not be engaged. And what they, and my thing is, is that, wow, how privileged you are you're expected yes to win? yes, yes, yes. do you expect to win you're going up against established power okay you think you're going to mm-hmm. win that in one election are you for real and one of the things i was telling L. L. jones last night at the ottawa writers fest we we're talking about this and i said i said you know we're black like we know we're gonna probably lose <laughs> like but <laughs> but we've been fighting since inception, basically, since they since they brought us over here in this hemisphere. So we understand that these are battles and you're running a relay race, not a sprint and not a marathon. It's a relay,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And each generation takes it takes it further and further. And that's how you make sustainable change. It's not like the change that we're trying to make may not happen in our lifetimes. but I know I went into this understanding that. and I think that we need to have more of a long-term view if you want real change that sticks around.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the things I think we, we meant to talk about briefly on election night Erica was you know, of course, engaging more broadly and earlier in a more consistent way, like as McKenney was said in their speech. And the reference I used was we need to Stacey Abrams the shit out of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it's not about yeah clearly yeah. turnout, working on turnout isn't good enough. We have to expand the electorate.
0: Right, right. Thank you. Thank you. I um, canvassed for Catherine in Ottawa social housing, which was an eye opening experience. And now it's an eye open experience that maybe not believe it. Sorry, <laughs> in certain types of social housing, okay? I didn't really before, but now I really don't. If you take contextually where this place is, how people live, I realized most people didn't even know the election was today or that there was an election or that day.
1: Yes, I and, know. Same.
0: And so, you know, uh, it seems to me the outreach for those people will take more, but I bet you they will be more loyal voters. Just like how, you know, whoever reaches out to new Canadians, for example, mm-hmm. they become loyal to. And that is something that I think parties are missing and they're just doing things the same way they've always been done. And they're trying to out mine each other.
2: Yeah. And, you, you know, there's a broader trend you know, to go back to the critique we were talking about earlier of, of politicians sort are of not in campaigns, not caring outside of the election. Of uh, There's a trend in, in national and provincial politics of winning with fewer and fewer votes because they're micro-targeting particular postal codes, particular uh, neighborhoods and mobilizing their likely voters. Like, well, you know, we've got scarce resources. We know we can win with 39 percent. So we're going to go and target those folks and we're gonna get them out. And technology uh, allows us to coordinate that, to to get that data and then to coordinate in the field. And so this is what we're gonna do. And the liberals are the best in the country at this, the federal liberals, and they know it. But what kind of message does that send? like, well, we care about you if you live in this particular postal code and you're a swing voter, (laughs) we need to get you out election night in a close race. Otherwise, you know. So, you know, no wonder people end up saying, well, no thanks. And it's a reminder to progressive campaigns that they need to be engaged with voters, reaching out to voters, doing the work uh, throughout the, the fallow times. And that's how you kind of build that movement, which, but it's hard to do because it takes resources, right? And we, we talked about this earlier, Erica mentioned it, like sort of resource light or stretch thin. So it's a bit of a, of a challenge, but it makes a, a big difference. And that's probably the reason I was so, that's how people like Sean Bernard win and win again, right? I mean, Sean's got, is there 24, 365, right? That makes a big difference.
1: He's there in all aspects. Like he's posting, like, I know Twitter is not a good example, but he's very active on Twitter and showing you, and like showing you his work.
2: Yeah, and, but and he, but he's doing the work, right? Yeah. He's on Twitter showing you the work that he's doing off of Twitter. And I, I, I mean, again, this is a small example, but it's an example I like to use. I went onto Twitter... <laughs> can't remember when, a couple summers ago, whinged, that I couldn't get rid of hazardous household chemicals that I didn't want to just pour down the drain, cleaning chemicals, right? It's like, well, I got all these things. I don't want to use them anymore. I don't need them anymore. I don't want to pour them down the drain or throw them in the bin because it's irresponsible, um, but I can't get rid of them. And I kept calling city and sanitation. They're basically like, oh, you got to drive out to wherever the hell. I'm like, well, I don't have a car. There's no transit to get there. I'm not going to haul this, these chemicals on the bus. Someone's going to fucking arrest me. <laughs> Like, what's this guy doing with a bunch of volatile chemicals on a bus? um And so, like, so I couldn't possibly. And I called sanitation, the city, and they're like, "Can you get a friend to drive you?" And I was thinking, "Was oh, that okay, a solution?" Well, well, I'm like, "This is the city telling me, like, yeah, we're not really good at this. Can you get a friend to drive." I'm like, "Okay, we've got a problem here." Sean saw that I had had tweeted that and said, uh, "You know what? Well, we can get something done here." And um, set something up for a one-day thing at City Hall downtown where they just spent the day loading a truck. And people came from all over to drop this stuff off and to have it shipped up. Um, and I was like, that made a difference. And guess who else was there? Catherine McKenney, of course, because they show up to do the work. And that was a one-off thing where they were trying to bridge a structural problem that they're s- still trying to solve structurally. But, like, that's how you show up and serve your community. For me, I, I understand the issues. I get how these things work. I get big versus small. But that to me, earned a lot of loyalty because that was showing up and doing the job that people actually need you to do to serve them in in their and It's not about
1: glad-handing at a festival like that, sure, because like one, you also like need to be seen out and about in the community and two, you also deserve to like enjoy like uh, the Palestinian festival or like Blues Fest, but like that's not the job.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of, we forget that the job is actually public service. Mm -hmm. and glad handing and showing up at events and photo ops that's not service
2: it's not the material thing like there's Uh, a symbolic value you might as well be you you might as well be like
1: at that rate you're no better than like kim kardashian
2: (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but you're a politician who's who's there to improve people's lives and like symbolically showing up is important um but but ultimately there's a real there are real material needs that people need filled and those you're you're there to meet them and some of those are big things like you know making sure that police aren't out Brutalizing people, making sure that uh, you know the hospitals are safe, making sure that the roads are safe, making sure that people can cycle around, and so on and so forth. These are the things that matter. But also, like making sure people get rid of their waste, making sure their garbage gets picked up, making sure that the parks are clean, making sure that the trash around the parks are are being picked up. You know, things like that make it make a difference. You know, and and there are cities that aren't even doing that. Look at Toronto. Mm-hmm. Not, they can't clean up garbage bins. Yeah. And that's not the workers' fault. I mean, I want to be very quick to highlight this isn't a, you know, this is on politicians. This isn't on
1: It's a management
2: is issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not workers.
1: All right, pals. That does it for this episode. David, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's been, you know, something.
2: It has been something special. We made, we made a lot of magic here today.
0: We did.
1: <laughs> we did because you're tall and dreamy.
2: Yeah, that's that Six one dreamy. That My brains are up here, ladies. My brains are up here.
1: <laughs> so, become a subscriber to Bad and Bitchy, badandbitchy.com. And in addition to getting full episodes of the podcast, you also get our show notes. And in our show notes this week, Erica also included some background information on the school boards that were elected across Ontario and how there has been a movement towards anti-trans, anti-equity candidates that could have a major impact in future elections. Um, so make sure you check those out. And of course, buy tickets to our live show taking place on November 17th at Algonquin Co- Commons Theatre, algonquinsa.com slash events. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Erica. I, by, the, by the time y'all are listening to this, I will be... On vacation it will be erica's birthday so i won't get to celebrate with her this year just a programming note there will be no misogynist of the week this week so we'll be back
2: sometime soon
0: all right yay
1: bye bye,
2: bye everybody